0: Hello and welcome to Thinking Deeply About Primary Education, the vlogcast that gives you a peek inside the minds of some truly inspirational teachers. During this, the very first of seven episodes in season one, I sit down for a chat with Lloyd Williams Jones, a deputy head teacher in Kent, who shares his experience of teaching and leading in the southeast of England, as well as divulging how a chance encounter with education research changed the course of his career entirely. Whether you're new to teaching, or a school leader with tons of experience, this interview is a must listen. Now if you happen to be listening on your preferred podcast provider, don't miss out on the extended cut in which Lloyd takes on the Edubook tier list, ranking some of his all-time favourite education titles. Full interviews are available from the Thinking Deeply by Primary Mathematics YouTube channel or thinkingdeeply.info, where full show notes and references can be found. And without further ado, let's spend some time thinking deeply about primary education. Today, we've got Lloyd Williams-Jones with us. And to start off, we're gonna cover Lloyd in numbers. So Lloyd, very quickly, I'm gonna ask you some questions and you can only answer using numbers. So years as a teacher. 10. Number of schools. Three. Current form entry. Two last year group taught six wales caps
1: i think i think it's seven did a did a calculation as and and caveat age grade caps not full caps but yeah seven age grade caps i think back in the day long time ago years in england 10 for my sins snippet videos i think there's five I think
0: it's five. Snippet videos on the author's website. I think that's two. Uh Holly Calvin Very impressive. And number of tweets. 3094. So, so pretty low, I reckon. Lloyd, you are currently a deputy head teacher at a school in Kent. How did you get there? Tell us about your journey as a teacher.
1: No problem. Um, so I started uh, training um, a long time ago in Wales. Uh, I had to fight tooth and nail to get onto a PGC. Uh, literally had to kick the door down to try and uh, to, to to get on the course. It was outrageous, like outrageously hard and oversaturated in South Wales at the time. I think it still is. Um, Everyone was going into primary education, there was grants to support it, so it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, let's get on the bandwagon and do a bit of primary primary PGC. So um anyway, finally managed to persuade Swansea to let me in and uh did my training down there in Tamil campus. And then um, yeah, from there basically learned learnt the Welsh curriculum. Um probably less said about that the better at the minute um and um there's the old one as well uh, and uh i was like right okay i need a job uh and decided to head my way to london uh, up to hackney i thought right yes get my first job in uh the, the pits of hell of hackney so um that was uh, that was where i was forged in my early career uh sort of Wet behind the ears, fresh-faced, without a beard, uh, strolling my way into East London, looking nothing like a hipster, nothing like I do now, <laughs> and uh, and bowling into a, into an extremely multicultural, diverse school uh, with not a scooby about the English curriculum. Um, and just got straight in and made loads of mistakes. <laughs> and um, didn't know the hell I was doing for a long time time. Um then I thought I knew what I was doing for a bit and got a bit confident and was like yeah yeah I've got this I got 3A and 2B down and uh you know I was, I was sort of at that point and um and then I moved out from there down and took a job assistant headship at uh King's Hill down down here down in Kent and basically um that was a bit of again about another baptism of fire because I took on the to lead in maths. And to be honest, I didn't really have a huge knowledge of maths. I'd worked on some working parties. I'd done no reading. Um, but again, try and do in the old confident bowl into the roll and uh yeah, managed to start uh, start reading and I'll come on to that later why sort of what what happened there. Um but it, yeah changed my whole outlook um, and then yeah, as of as of September, I've uh, I've stepped up to a, a deputy headship down in down in Staplehurst. So it's uh, it's been quite a journey and quite a I would say eclectic mix of schools. I've uh, had good broad experience across a different number of settings, um, and yeah, I, I suppose I'm better for it. Maybe in the long run, but yeah, it's kind
0: of brought me to where I am today. Yeah, so I, I can totally relate because obviously, a long time ago, I moved from the Northern Irish. Education system over to the English one. Um, What was the biggest culture shock when you moved over or when you moved across to
1: England? For me, it was like the rigor in the system for me, like compared to the world system. I was just like, whoa, okay. Like, I'd been in a school where the teacher I was with hadn't changed the water space for two years. And uh, I come to England. To, it was a it was a school. It was Millfields Community School in Hackney, and basically uh, they they weren't RI. Right. What, were the, old, uh, what were the old old guard uh, was uh, satisf- um, We were noticed for improvement, so we were just above that satisfactory band. But it meant you could employ NQTs. If you if you were inadequate, you weren't allowed NQTs. Yeah. And uh, I was just in that. I had no idea. Yet, yeah, of course, of course, I didn't read the Ofsted report. Why would I read the Ofsted report? I wanted a job. Do you know what I mean? I just went straight in, and uh, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, whoa, what is this? What are these levels? How is this all? You know, in Wales, it's just it was none. Of that. It was blooming scouting out, doing a bit of discovery learning over here and just doing some forward rolls. Do you know what I mean? That's what I felt like I was doing in my house. Come up and was like, crikey Moses. Like I literally like baptism of fire. Like, but yeah, what about you? Is that, is that, is that same view, or is it quite rigor in the, in the Northern Irish system? Uh, well,
0: I think one thing I've noticed about the South of England is that the day seems to start a whole lot earlier over here. And um, just in general, I've never seen people on, as many people on the roads, at six, seven in the morning. And, um, mm. you know, like when I trained, nine o'clock was sort of your typical starting time. Um, but I think we both started around the same time. And it was the time of APP. Oh, and know. you know, looking back on it now, it wasn't necessarily was great. <laughs> you know, because it, it was right in the middle of, um, of the workload building up to what it became. And I think, you know, we're heading in the right direction in many places and um, but it was peak workload you know i had a full head of her whenever i started teaching and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the workload get,
1: get rid of that <laughs> okay which crammed you down like this you know? <laughs> we all we all lost many a sunday like, to, to the you know coloring them in and i remember like trying to format the boxes so i could squeeze extra little tech boxes into them and all. i think what am i doing here like literally like not thinking about the right thing itself at all like going. You know, and uh, God, yeah, thank, thank you, Shay. Hopefully, we we have come through the other side of that of that uh, bonkers practice, like bonkers.
0: Yeah, but it was it was total culture shock because I think we had the programs to study back home, um, but nothing as in detail as those APP grids in the, no. in the national curriculum, and um, so yeah, so it, it was interesting. But uh, like you say, all the, all the better for it because I think it's about, you know I don't I don't think I'm come back to the Northern system anytime anytime soon. No, oh, me to Wales, mate, that's the
1: same.
0: <laughs> the thing about Lloyd in class, um, and we're thinking about how we can support those teachers who are just getting into the game, who are looking to develop their practice, what what would you say the four most prominent features of a Lloyd
1: lesson would look like? What would they be? Right, so I'd probably, I'd probably boil it down to four things in a sense of probably four... Um, Practical uh, applications, I would say that I that I use or utilise to try and leverage as much sort of understanding and learning within the session as I, as I can. Um, so I would say the, the first one would be uh, the cold call slash no opt out. Um, I think that is, and like I said, this is this is this is a work of Douglas Marvin, and 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 you know. Uh, Tom Sheridan's picked up on it with his work with walkthroughs. I we'll, we'll touch on that later or whatever. Uh, but but in terms of in terms of the in terms of the power of that, just that nuance of being able to give that that understanding that a child is is going to be picked and that the culture in the class is, is supportive and that they they know the accountability is there that they, they're going to get asked and if they do get asked they don't give the old I don't know what I'm do don't know. You know that even if they're, if they're in a checkout, there's no checkout. It's like okay, no problem, but we're going to come back to you. I'm going to jump over here and I'm going to speak, and, and you know, and you bounce around the room and, and you really, really glean that understanding of what's going, trying, trying to get an understanding of what's going on uh, in, in their mind, you know, in, with their understanding of things, and then what you do with it. And I think that's something that I, you know, that as I've gone on with this technique, that is something like what you actually, the purpose then. So it's great. It's a great technique, right? And I can. And I've just said about um, why, but it's then like the purpose is actually like what, like, what do I do with that then? Once I understand, how does that impact? Like, what do I change? What do I remodel? What do I move? What What pace does that push me forward? Does that accelerate me forward? You know, it's it's that like granular thinking and decision making that on the coal face that is hard and takes a lot of time to master but the deep purpose of doing that stuff is what i think i've been thinking a lot about lately and i think it's something that is integral to my sessions that's the first one second one is the problem pair so uh, the problem that so the the you know the problem pair effect uh and just having that would be that it's maths be it you know uh it can be it could be re, you know, the, the, at the end of the day, the, having a structure to go from having something that a worked example on the board be, be that whatever it is uh, it just scaffolds, I think, in so much with children. I think it's a, a value, valuable uh, tool. Um, and I, I know, I know the there's something that I, that I haven't moved to yet is the the, the I, we, iWeU model, obviously, which which builds on that. Um something that uh, I know a lot of schools do. I know Matt Swain and, and, uh, and Step Academy Trust do a lot. That's very deeply embedded in their places. A lot of schools do as well, a few schools locally as well that do it. And I think that's something that I probably have not thought about before, but um, is, is, is something that, that's where I want to take it next with with my uh, show, the how I show problems um, and how I present information as well um, without it being too extraneous as well. So having them covered up as you go, so revealing them as well, so that there's not too much information, too much strenuous load for uh, going on on the board. So the second one, so I've got cold call, no opt out, uh, and a problem pair. My third thing would probably be a diagnostic uh, or hinge multiple choice question. Uh, Now, diagnostic questions by Craig Barton, uh, wonderful bank of resources there. I'm speaking mathematically now, I suppose. I do a lot, I teach a maths group daily, and an integral part to what i do i write my own ones as well um and just that ability to expose misconception um and to develop rich conversation around um what's going on so the way i kind of use the diagnostic question will be to sort of ask the children to give me an answer a b c or d and they show me on their hands or a b c or d and then five is uh, I don't know, and I tell them I want to see if you don't know, because I'd rather just rather than them guessing, I want to know that they don't know. Um, and then I get them to put their heads down, so there's no biases, and they're not drawn by any other the children. Uh, they present either one, two, three, four, five. It's great because they've got their heads down, so I can make notes quite oblivious uh, with them, quite oblivious to the fact that I'm kind of just picking out those people. That then gives me a good selection of who I want to call call moving forward. As I go into the next part of the lesson, so I'm kind of systematically using that information. I'm also then going, okay, six of them have a mis- have picked D, which is the misconception of this. I'm going to straight away hit that, and I'm going to address that misconception. So it's responsive, and it's that idea, it's that purpose of why you're doing something. So having a diagnostic hinge question, and I'm currently looking into. The confidence weighted ones, which uh, I'm—I've <laughs> managed to get some information from. Uh, from uh, n- names, we'll leave name the names out of it, uh, but uh, yeah, no, the, the, a powerful, powerful t- learning tool that is, and I think it's—I think it's underused actually within education. So, call call no out, Problem pair diagnostic uh, hinge multiple question. My last thing is live marking at pace. Um, it's that old tracking and marking thing, like, you know, as we go in along and, and how, uh, you move, uh, children along, um, and you ensure the right kind of pitch and the right amount of practice and deliberate practice of something, and then deepening as well. And how do we, how do we move children, uh, you know, onto on something that they need, uh, just today, reading Neil Allman's blog about challenge, you know, the challenges for the learner. So that, that, that process, of live marking a pace enables that to happen it enables that ability to for you to con- allow the, the learner to connect with the challenge that you want for them rather than the generic you know forced out sort of thing you can personalize that challenge a little bit more can you do this for me can you flip that around yeah and okay it that is hard and that takes that takes some it takes practice it takes you know uh time it takes effort i still haven't mastered it by any stretch but i do think there's a real value in in that so sum up cold call no opt-out problem pay diagnostic hinge multiple questions and live live marketing and pace. they're my four probably integral things for what I would what you'd see in, in my lessons anyway. Uh, two things that really stand out
0: are the first is that they're very well described in, in terms of you know they've they've been given a name you know and they've almost given a name to things that effective teachers did really well. But if you're trying to pass that information on to your less experienced colleagues, you need something you need a title to say okay, cold calling and then all of the the sort of the underpinning that goes with it that that's that, that you in the end discuss that and um, because I think in the past I've heard of, you know we don't do hands up or thing or, or things like that and, and really having that name really helps. Your less experienced teachers because you've got a hook on which to bring everything else together, you know, because there's so much more to it than children not putting their hands up. And um, as you, as you really well described, but having that name, that title allows us then to
1: attach other pieces to it. Um, and right. it, it gives a shared dialogue as well, doesn't it in terms of bringing that consistency to your school or, or, or group of schools, you know, and, um, Kind of what Doug Lamobb says, he says, see it, name it, do it. Isn't that what he, yeah. his term is? It's, just a, it's a great builds on that concept, isn't it, of, of that shared dialogue. A, you're absolutely right, that it's, it's an integral part to getting the culture right, I think, in your schools.
0: Yeah, I think I, think I came across strongly in all four of your points. Um, you know, thinking about diagnostic questions, you know, we're under no illusions as to what the role of those questions are. You know? um, and so that makes it easier for us to implement them because we know what we're trying to achieve. And then obviously your expertise builds over, you know, years of, of utilizing them. And, and the second thing that stood out was how each of them connected to one another. And so for instance, if anyone with less experience or just starting out is listening, then I suppose they should think about, yes, we can break each of those down into separate parts, but together, that's where the real strength comes from because, with your significant expertise in the classroom with your experience you can take those separate parts and you can bring them together into one sort of homogeneous and effective tool you know which will get the best out of your learners and which will inform you going as you say going forward and yeah so i think those, those are the two things that really stood out and i think um, in turn if i think about my own practice those are definitely some of the things that i would consider
1: integral to to my instruction and my teaching in the classroom too. Nice. Yeah, I agree. I think you are spot on there. You spot on. And yeah, that whole tying thing together, like that's as a big a biggie, actually, a real biggie.
0: I suppose that, that, that ties into my next question. Um and we're thinking about sort of instigating change on a school wide level. What what does that almost mean to you and what and what does that look like to you? know I suppose we could tie that in with the, the previous question, you know, what when you think of school wide change and obviously in your new role as deputy head teacher it's going to be an important part of your your day-to-day sort of working life for the foreseeable you know so what what does that mean to you
1: yeah it's a it's a it's a swift learning curve for me i've like i've obviously been in, i've been in leadership like for, for several years and um you know i've been i have been part of school improvement but not not in this way before like where, where, where i really am now uh in the driving seat for uh, for change. We're in our high school, um, so we've got a lot to do. We're in a good position, but we've got a lot to do. Um, a lot, and um, we've got a fantastic team there uh, as well. Um, and I guess that team has been put together by my head, who has really assembled some excellent people there. Uh, made some great, great choices, put some great people in great positions, who um, you know, have built a strong level of communication there, which is something that I've not been really, but like that deep, like strong lines of communication where things have systematically, you know, there's this rigor there that's massive. Like i have not really experienced that for, And to have it, is, it, it's like, whoa, this is, uh, this is, this is quite special. So, um, but I would say like the things that f- for my very limited uh, <laughs> experience at the moment of, of, of like proper, Proper school improvement. Um, I would say trust and relationships is absolutely essential. Like the, you know, before anything happens with anything, um, there, there has to be a trust. There has to be a professional trust there, uh, and and that and, and and a build and a building of those relationships, because um, that that allows rigor to flourish. And for, for me, and, and and it's the bedrock for it, and and, and so you must build those carefully. And you must build them in a way which, um, and this is something I've been learning. And, and uh, again, I'll, I'll, I'll quote Matt Swain here because he's he, this piece of advice he gave me, Matt, uh, Matt over at the Step Academy Trust. Um, he said that you got to support some stuff that you just you're not on board with in the interim period because you have to because you're not like Rome. Like I say, you chase all the rabbits and all that, you know. You've got to go with it and you've got to support it because ultimately there's a, there's a value, there's a worth in that because it will, it will fundamentally, you will bring about long-term change by, by doing that. And, and it's something that I've, I've wrestled with and I thought, yeah, do you know what? That is absolutely spot on because, and, and, and you're sitting there through gritty teeth at times and talking about, you know, I'm thinking I could check all the cog side books at you, you know, and go, no, damn you, that's wrong, you know, but there would be no value in doing it because uh, all that would do is would, would be to crush that, that sort of that trust and that relationship that, that I just spoke of. It would, it would crush it. And then you, you're building, you're building on sand a bit, you know, and fundamentally, you know, we, I guess I'm speaking from a position where uh, although over are I, right, uh, Lucy, my head has done, Tremendous amounts of work already to set leadership, right? So perhaps you know I'm speaking for a certain context, and it's the same with when he's speaking about things. It? It's all context specific, but my context is there's enough stability there to 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 pick up on what, what Matt said there, and and to and to really build those relationships so that you can push things forward. So I would say to develop the right culture, you win the trust, then you go from there. I think guys, it's huge.
0: Yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that because um, was it in learning to improve? They say implement fast, learn slow, and then burn goodwill as you go. Um, uh-huh. And and you, you need as many people as you can coming with you on the journey because that makes life so much easier. And um, and if and if you you know incrementally, you know, and you start with the foundations and then build and build, you know, I think you're it's much more conducive to long-term yeah. systemic change. Um, and really, I think how we should all be approaching sort of leadership uh, in general, you know, because I, I, I don't know, I th- it could just be my impression, but the system of accountability doesn't necessarily support, you know, the fact that it takes maybe five to 10 years to really make a, a lasting impact. And really, it's that, you know, there's some very brave heads who say, no, we're going to do it and we're going to do it properly. And then they reap the rewards, you know, a couple of, years, a couple of years down the line. Yes, yeah, 100% and um, mm. and you're you're using walkthroughs that's right yeah and that's right tell tell us about that because I've read the book really interested to know what it's like in practice because it's it it reads fantastically well and it makes things yeah. really really clear and um, so but what, what's that
1: like in in school yeah it's uh, it's it's a it's a very very good package um, suite of, of 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 principles I would say really to, to good teaching and what what it does is it allows you to have a again a common language that sits outside of the teaching standards that actually it is all the things that you, you kind of wish you'd been taught when you were being. I wish I'd been taught in my initial teacher training. You know, like all those things where they have really captured the the essence of good teaching, context free, and that is that. That's the kicker. You know, it's, it's the context free bit that is fantastic. Because it's, it's it's applicable then to any organisation, and and you mould it and you shape it and you work it and you know and just having that um, ability to do that is is fantastic. And I, I guess I'm I'm fortunate in that. I've got a good network of people that I speak to and um, and work with, both in and out of school, and I, I do a lot of professional reading in my spare time as well. So I'm able to supplement it and, and, and really really take take it and make it context specific for Staplehurst. And it what it's done is it allowed me, like say, a very smooth and um, uh, kind of structured way of conveying some of the really core principles that actually they, that, you know, quite a few of them hadn't reached host uh, you know, and so so it's a, it's a fantastic tool for upskilling your staff and being able to really promote those core principles of instruction and, and understanding and, t- and teach good teaching really so like we've used it in a sense of like we've uh, like because it's early and they're early in the development of, of the of the subscriber package as well so it's developing all the time ollie and, and tom are, are constantly working at um developing forum materials that come up every week and change and added and um people are sharing and collaborating which is really powerful again but we've we've actually started to work it into um working into our performance appraisal as well so we're what I'm trying to do is bake it into the very heart of what we do, and it, uh, it's linked back to our appraisal. So I've taken the work of Chris Moyes and his, uh, his growing great teachers model and fused the uh, our walkthroughs with that process and um, We've gone away from the data targets in appraisals completely. It's now about professional pedagogical development and how we can leverage better teachers uh, and, and and better, therefore, better outcomes for children in our school. Really, so that process is, is like it's a, it's a work in, in process. It's something that we're we're going to see the first round of appraisal. Uh, how it goes after after the half term, but it, I'm excited by it and I think that I would highly, highly recommend it for school improvement for schools because it, it genuinely, you know, if we do theme walks, um, we were, were trying to develop a very open culture, in and out, less, you know, no punitive, sort of to, to really foster that culture of developing, of, 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 of um, improving, not proving, as Chris says, that, you know, and, and to go in and, and be able to, you know, go on a theme walk, Uh, We ping straight away feedback back to teachers and say, oh, this was great, bang, page, whatever of the walkthroughs. You know, we can instantly signpost good practice to the actual thing that it's codified down in in this thing. And that is, there's power in that. You know, you go, oh, um, you know, uh, Joe did a fantastic um, cold call, signal, pause, insist in your five. It was wonderful. She just bang classroom if you go to if you want to have a look at that it's on page you know they then can actively pick pick up and look at that I think oh, you know and and develop in that culture so um that's um yeah kind of like uh we're moving to like a coaching model and to really try and empower teachers by using this as a as a driving uh force uh, in the school so it's all so far extremely impressed with the materials so that, that, that sounds superb
0: because so you've got empowering teachers, shared shared culture, shared understanding of what things, and what the feedback actually means, and also you're 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 taking away that unnecessary accountability, you know. Which there's no real proof that having data in your appraisal target will actually
1: help anyone learn anything with it anymore. I know it's never helped me in ten years teaching <laughs> be any better teachers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that, that's that's uh, yeah. it's, it's a powerful, powerful set of resources. Much enough.
0: Yeah, I think it, I think it looks a lot, like, a lot like the future, you know, and hopefully, fingers crossed, because it seems to have its priorities in the right place. I, I, I would say so. Because I, have, I haven't read it. It's very, very high quality. And to be honest, if I'd had it three years ago, um, it would have made my my job a whole lot easier back then. Um, but it's all good. <laughs> um, so we met and bonded over a shared love of education research and um, and and then the rest is history <laughs> what, what was the paper that changed the world you know i like to call it the thunderbolt because nothing but nothing's the same after you've got the thunderbolt and um, and what is the number one paper that you think all primary teachers should read
1: right so i would say um my, my Thunderbolt paper came on the back actually of a book. Um, so, so it, it in, well, oh gosh, it would have been about four or five years ago. Now, when I first landed in Kent, um, I went to the Kent maths conference and, uh, saw Craig Barton speak and I was again, you know, it was a, a day out. I was the maths lead. Uh, I didn't really know a huge amount uh, at that point i thought i did but um uh, and he was last on he's a keynote at the end of the day i was like oh my I was, I was even considering swanning off and getting a burger king like but to be honest probably best decision i've ever made in my entire life was to knock swan off and get a burger king uh because burger king's always there in the morning you know um and i watched craig speak and i was just dumbfounded i was absolutely dumbfounded and i Joined Twitter that night and swiftly had an existential crisis about, like he said, how little I know about anything um, and how I'd neglected the body of professional research and reading that has uh, sat there for so many years um, through a, a willful ignorance. Uh, and an overconfidence uh, that just I look back on with sheer embarrassment. And um, yeah, and it so I got his book straight away. Um, and one of the papers I'd say the stand up because obviously Link, he's brilliantly referenced that book. And um, one of the first papers that he references talks about in that book is Kirshner's um, Why Minimal Guidance During Instruction Does Not Work, um, which I know. It's 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 if you ask teachers about what papers are seminal, and I, I would imagine I wouldn't be the only ones quoting that as a thunderbolt, because um, it just it just blew the landscape open in terms of thinking towards instruction and how we can really kind of put to bed a lot of discovery learning and stuff that I'd done in teaching. That I thought looked back on and thought. I've wasted hours and hours of my time doing things that had no purchase whatsoever. Like, and that for me was like, yeah, a massive thunderbolt striking my teaching heart. So, and, and, and starting it again, probably, I would say, in a good way, you know, like, um, yeah, massively, massively important paper, that. Yeah. The, the, the
0: one thing that stands out to me about that paper is how well written it is. Oh, uh, you no. know, there's, not, there's not a word wasted. In taking their position forward, um, and And so, in the past, when I've been looking at examples of well-written introductions and things, I'll always go back to that because of how of how striking it is that you know they've, they've got a message, they've got the, the sort of they've done the they've done the legwork, and then they are absolutely clinical in their execution of, of that paper. Oh. You know, so I can t- I can totally see where you're coming from, and it, and, yeah. and hearing
1: work. them speak um, on uh, Carl and. Uh, Paul and Craig on, on um, Craig's on Craig's podcast the, the other day was just, it kind of solidified that like when, when when Paul was explaining all about the process of writing the paper and how he'd gone back and forth and the, 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 the sort of the rigor in the process that he'd gone through in writing it. Um, but he'd never ever expected it to to get, you know, to have the reception that it did in the education and research community, you know. Um, but just Matt, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thunderbolt. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then one paper that all primary teachers need to read as well as Kirshner et al.
1: Right. I'm going to, I'm going to give one, that's, it's a recent read for me. Um, and it's one that has massively sat, uh, up, sort of made me sit up. And I think is it's, it's really important. Um, and it's Mary Kennedy's passing the practice of teaching um, and it, it's not a particularly long paper, but it, but it is wonderfully astute. And what it, what it did for me was kind of, she, she explains quite clearly, we t- you talked earlier about how everything comes together. Well, she kind of breaks it down into five key sections. So like five things that work, that, that, that novice teachers need to crack and I, I'm obviously thinking about this as an important thing. I think this is an important paper. A for a novice person reading it, if you're engaging with research, because it lays it out. B for someone who's more experienced, because they can look back and think if they're in part of the school improvement process, it's important. Um, so she she talks about an alternative approach to passing um, practice, and basically she nails it. She she she. Uh, takes it down to, to, to five things, portraying the curriculum, um, enlisting student participation, exposing student thinking, and containing student behavior. Now, um, so when you look at those principles, right, and what she says, and this is, it, she goes into more detail about how, well, it's interesting because she doesn't tell you what to do, but she kind of just makes you deeply consider purpose. And I think that's what I was saying to you about purpose, about like, and she says how those, these five elements, um, how they, they play, they, they enact and they, their relationship between each other is key. So like, if there's something, there's give and take, you know, if, if, there's, if, if you've got behavior, uh, if you, let's say you've got a more um, higher end stimulus in your lesson, you know, there's something going on, then the likelihood is, is the behaviour is gonna gonna be needed to be adjusted slightly because to account for this, do you see what I mean? Like, and it goes, in, and then curriculum planning has an impact on this, and it's kind of, and then to to, to provide that, you need to have thought about your, your planning structures and how that. So it's like the purpose and why and what essentially what she says is, early career teachers and novice teachers will look at, will look at good practices and say and, and and look at look at the call calling and go yeah fantastic yeah great i've seen i've seen it i've seen that that good practice happening uh, and and i've been told why it's good but then then when they're in front of a class cold calling when's the right time to call call what do i do with the cold call what is the deeper purpose to this stuff okay. that's the that for me yeah, is what it struck me is is this like it's the it's the core of teaching. It's like, it's, the, it's the nuts and bolts of teaching, that that almost goes. It, it got me to think a step deeper than walkthroughs again. Like it, it got me to think. Okay, walkthrough sits here. and Here's the why. Here's underneath how this stuff kind of plays off each other. It's 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 me, It's messy and it's it, and it's um, you know it's it's complicated, but it's what teaching is. And, and for me, that just, it just, oh, you know, and Pep's McCray in his new book about motivation. Funnily enough, I hadn't had my two and two together, but the, the, he, he opens his, that book with um, education is compulsory, but learning is not. Uh, and and it's, it's a quote from this paper, but I hadn't realized it's from this paper. So, um, you know, it's obviously been a, an important paper for him. I hadn't realized I'd come across it because um, Josh Goodrich, who de- develops powerful action steps, who is uh, it's another fantastic uh, resource, but I won't go into that now, he, he recommended the paper to me. Tremendous, tremendous paper. And I would suggest all teachers read it, passing uh, the practice of teaching. Excellent. Um,
0: yeah, well, I suppose I think there are a few people that I'm aware of that think as deeply about teacher development than so if you've been inspired by this paper then you know it it sounds like an absolute must read Um, and you know just the way you've described the relationship between those different parts you know you you can almost see why it takes 10 years to get anywhere near at this job you know and I think the more teachers in their first year or in their you know in their initial training the more that they realize that it's a journey and that you know you're going to be supported on that journey and the profession will be a whole lot better off for it, and um, so that like- that's exactly. Right. So, um, so i I don't think I've read that myself. But the first thing I do when we finish this call is you know, <laughs> go and read that paper. <laughs> so, yeah, honestly, it is something. It's quite something. Nice, awesome. Well, it's been fantastic teaching or speaking to you, Lloyd. Um, yeah, thanks. Chris. It's been a real pleasure, and hopefully, anyone listening will find it useful.
1: Um, Hope so. Awesome. Yeah, it's been. Uh, thanks very much, and like I say. But congratulations on the book because it is, it is quite a piece of work And I think uh, if you haven't already done so, you need to get yourself a copy of it because it's it's pretty damn good. So, yeah, like, I just know on a personal level, like how much work went into that. So, yeah,
0: that's about to appreciate like, Thank you. And there we have it. A truly fascinating chat full of superb insights into the world of primary education. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, follow or leave a review depending on where you're listening. And if you have any questions for any of my guests, head over to the Thinking Deeply About Primary Mathematics YouTube channel and leave a comment and let the conversation continue long into the night. Until next time, thanks for listening.